Welcome to the busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures, and where listeners come to learn more about studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to comment on this episode or the podcast in general. To leave a comment, click on the link in the show notes. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast to be informed when a new episode has been posted. You subscribe by tapping on the subscribe or follow button. Now, each podcast app is different, so if you don't see the follow or subscribe button, a simple Google search about the app you're using will show you how. If you enjoy this podcast and have benefited from it, I encourage you to start donating a few dollars to the General Missionary Fund each month. We are all aware of the high divorce rate in society today. No segment is free of the tragedy that divorce brings. And though the divorce rate among members of the Church of Jesus Christ is significantly lower than other groups, divorce is ever-present. Noelle McBride, author of Beauty for Ashes, Divorce, and the Latter-day Saint Woman, shares her experience of divorce after 17 years of marriage and offers sound advice on how to work through the life-changing and faith-shaking consequences that come after a divorce while staying spiritually connected the Savior. You will find her advice practical and uplifting as she talks about the importance of the scriptures and how it plays out in her life. Now, here's Noelle. Noelle, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure and I've been looking forward to this um, because of your book that came out about divorce among LDS. And um, I was looking at some statistics that um, LDS seem to have the lower, or some of the lowest uh, divorce rates over the years, about half of what everyone else is. And it's interesting that you as an LDS woman um, has read a book, wrote a book about divorce. <laughs> so we'll get into your book a little bit later. But um, just want to know a little bit about you. Where do you live? I actually live uh, near Seattle, Washington, um, in a small town, just about 45 minutes um, south of Seattle. So um, lots of rain, but beautiful greenery, and the ocean and mountains are just a short drive away. All right. And family, how many children do you have? Uh, my husband and I have six children. I remarried um, seven years ago, and I had three children, and he had three children, so we have five boys and one girl. Oh, okay. And I think I read that uh, you met him at the temple. Uh, no, we were sealed in the Columbia River Temple, but uh, he and I met online, actually. Oh, you did? Well, that's the way I met my wife. Tell me about your online experience of dating. Well, uh, I it took me a couple of years of being single and um, working through the emotions from my divorce and, and um, the difficulty just reconciling what my future was looking like to what it actually, the reality was looking like. So 
after a couple of years of not dating and just working on myself and making sure that my kids were stable and healthy, that's when I decided to start dating. Um, I had a very good girlfriend who uh, invited me and took me to a steak dance, and that was a bit disastrous. Um, there wasn't really anyone there my age, and um, it just was uncomfortable. And I thought, this cannot be all the righteous priesthood holders out there. And so I actually went online and I asked um, my friend for recommendation, and she um, had an obscure LDS site. I didn't feel like I could be on the LDS singles because I just don't fit the uh, prototype of I was I was middle aged I wasn't blonde I wasn't I had kids I just felt like I wasn't a young um, you know LDS single so I was looking for people who were more in my age my demographic so um, just an obscure site it's now quite large but it was at the time very small it was Planet um, I think LDS Planet yes I'm familiar with it. <clears throat> yeah. And I was on there for about three weeks and I only paid for one month because that was kind of what was in my budget at the time. And I went on a couple of dates and met a couple of nice people, but no one that really was um, a connection. And when I very first made my profile, I had another girlfriend who had met her husband online read it. And she came back and she was like, Noelle, you have to redo it. That is not like I had done it kind of like a resume. <laughs> And um, she says, you have to you have to do it a little different than that. And so she gave me some really good tips. And so I redid my profile. And anyway, um, short or long story short, um, my husband popped on and I immediately um, had an alert because we were in the same state, even though we were several hours apart. At the time, I was living in eastern Washington. He was in western Washington. And... Um, we just started talking. I read his profile. We had tons of things in common. And I was feeling a little bit disenchanted at that point with the whole online dating. So he was kind of like, okay, well, we'll see if this anything happens here. And um, yeah, we, we started talking. We spoke for about a month um, online and on the phone. And then we wrote old-fashioned letters back and forth and decided that we were ready to meet. And we had our first date. And and that was it for both of us. So, well, that that's interesting. Now, you said you used mail, like with a stamp on the envelope. <laughs> Why did you do that and not email? Um, I think because my husband and I, while we're both tech savvy, we really appreciate um, those, you know, the handwritten things, and um, so we still have those letters. It's actually something that's really special for both of us, right? That That's a part of our courtship that's really important. And we actually continue to write letters, and we even wrote each other a letter on our wedding day. And then this was something that was really um, special is my husband, um, even though we were, you know, I moved over here to Western Washington, and of course we um, were living in the same house after we got married, he still wanted to have that tradition of us writing letters, so he purchased a special journal. And so we will still write letters to each other in this journal and um, and leave the journal for one another to read. Um, so it's kind of a special tradition that we continue. Yes, we did the same thing um, while we were dating, but we didn't continue it after we were married. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's. 
ministry too, right? Like we write about the things that are happening in our lives as a married couple. And so it's, it's a little bit of our history too. Yeah. Now you were divorced. What brought that about? So I was married for 17 years. Uh, I met my former husband in the um, YSA ward in Eastern Washington. I actually grew up in Western Washington, not far from where I live right now. And, um, away to college and during that time my family moved over to eastern washington so i came home for the summer and ended up meeting um, my kid's dad uh, well their father at a ysa activity and um we had a very very short dating period um from the time that i met him to the time we got married was just about three and a half months so not very long and i was 20 and um it was a bit of a whirlwind and um, we were married for 17 years and you asked what precipitated it. And uh, it was a series of many, many different things that can most easily be summed up in the way that we ended up going in different directions. Um, and we were not equally yoked anymore. And um, there were some real difficult underlying issues that we were working through with a counselor and um, our bishop, and unfortunately those things, um, they were not able to be resolved in a way that allowed us to stay married together. So uh, it was not what I had wanted, um, and I fought very, very hard to keep our marriage together, um, but there were circumstances that happened that made it impossible to do so. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was really difficult for me and a very um, just a, a little bit of a crisis point for me because I had had my life very well planned out and um, suddenly my life wasn't going anything according to plan so it was um, it was an event that really rocked my world well I think divorce I think for most people that is the situation now, your children were adults at the time? So my children at the time of my divorce were 15 and 7 and 9. And um, so there was there was a lot of change for them suddenly in their lives, and I really needed to make sure that their lives were as stable as possible, which was part of the reason that I didn't date right away after my divorce. And in all honesty even though I was the person that um, instigated the divorce, it still was surprising to me that it had happened, um, especially because it was very, very quick. And then my um, former husband remarried almost immediately. So that was um, that was a big uh, part of our adjustment period. Suddenly um, my children were having to um, not only reconcile the fact that their parents were no longer together but then a stepmother was introduced into the picture as well Mm. so that was very difficult uh, for my kids also I've always thought divorce is hardest on the children I would agree yep well your book just came out July the 12th correct did okay and obviously I'm being honest here I didn't read the book because I'm not a woman (laughs) and I'm not divorced so I figured okay but I am looking at the notes here and some interesting I I assume these were on the back uh, back cover 
Uh, it says, partner with Christ and trust in God's timing. What does that mean? So the title of my book is called Beauty for Ashes, Divorce and the Latter-day Saint Woman. And when I went through my divorce, I kept looking for resources of how to stay grounded in the gospel while going through and experiencing this unique trial. You mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that LDS people have lower divorce rates than average people. And I would agree that that is true, but I also think that it is way more common than even when I was growing up, um, that divorce happens more readily. And it's unfortunate. And I kept looking for a resource to how to get through and uh, remain part of a very family-centric religion. Because when you go through a divorce, you suddenly feel like you don't have a place in that um, that family circle anymore, like a ward family. And so that can be a really difficult thing. And so I watched other people and they would make one of two choices as far as, as they went through their divorce. Either it would help them and they would strengthen their testimony with the Savior and their gospel um, roots would become deeper. Or the other path that people seemed to take was that they left the church because they no longer felt like they belonged and that they had been sold a story of you know everlasting happiness and it ended in a really negative and heartbreaking way. And so for me, I had to figure out this without any kind of manual or anything. So I wrote the book that I wish I would have had as I went through my experience of learning how to deepen my testimony and, um, and partner with the Savior Jesus Christ. And that brings us back original question and so for me I had worked really really hard my entire life I was a member of the church um, from the time that I was very young I was raised in an LDS home and so I worked hard doing all the right things you know I went to seminary and young women's and I earned my medallion and I got married in the temple I prayed and fasted before I you know married my former spouse you know, we had children together. I fulfilled my callings. I did everything that I had been told that we were supposed to do. And I felt like this would be insurance against, you know, bad things happening. And as I went through my divorce, I realized that I had kind of built this monument, um, this altar, as you would say, of all the things that I was doing to prove to the Lord, look, I'm a good disciple because of all of these things that I'm doing. And my divorce gave me the opportunity to kind of recognize that that um, testimony was number one, not what the Lord was asking of me. And number two, it was really on sandy ground. And so I kind of mentally um, took apart this altar that I had built of all the things that I had done. And instead I focused on who I was becoming and I felt like I um, partnered with my Savior, Jesus Christ, in learning what it was and who he wanted me to become versus doing, continuing to just do, do, do. It was really focused on who I was becoming. So that's something that I talk about in depth in my book um, is the process of becoming versus having a checklist of what needs to get done. It sounds like it's getting it into the heart rather than just a piece of paper and a checklist. Well, now you also mentioned in the book about 
healthy boundaries with friends, family, and yourself. I'd like to know more about that, but at the same time, I guess I have another question in that, okay, let me back up a little bit. In our ward here in Utah, um, the area I live in is probably 95% LDS, <laughs> and the homeowners association I'm in is all the ward members, and so it's quite different than where you live. But uh, within our ward, we've had, within the past year, two divorces. And um, one is still living in the ward, and the other finally sold her home and uh, moved out. My question is, as ward members, what can we do to help somebody who's been divorced and not feel like they're not part of the ward? And I understand that that's tricky because you go to gospel doctrine and they start talking about families <laughs> and things like that. And, and of course, you feel like the oddball out. But anyway, what are your concerns or remarks about that? So some things that were really helpful for me, uh, I was blessed with a very supportive bishop and a very supportive and understanding Relief Society president. So a few of the things that they did for me that was very helpful is um, they counseled with me. I had been counseling with a bishop for a good year before my divorce actually um, started to happen. You know, we, my former spouse and I had been separated for a few months and then um, the divorce process started to happen. So, um, but my bishop was very kind to listen. Uh, he supported the personal revelation that I felt like I was receiving. There were times that he gave me counsel. Uh, there was one time specifically, and I talk about this in the book, um, where he gave me counsel that was contrary to the personal revelation that I had received. And that was really difficult for me. But my bishop was really good in that he said, this is the impression that I'm receiving as we're talking together. And I know that that is contrary to the revelation that you feel like you've received. And he's like, I'm just going to give you some time to think about that and consider, you know, and, um, and I appreciated that because I needed to have time to think about the counsel that he'd given me and then to receive further revelation. And the interesting thing is the counsel that he gave me, which I thought was contrary, was actually not. It was complimentary. And so I was able to do his counsel plus still the revelation that I had received. And then that end result um, made uh, the end of my divorce much easier, a much smoother road. And I was grateful for that. So my bishop supported me and allowed me to receive personal revelation, but also still continued to counsel me, which was helpful. Uh, he also really supported me to go to outside counseling. And so that was a really important piece of my healing and being able to work through all the emotions. The Relief Society president um, was really helpful in that she did not actually know anything about my divorce until um, the papers were submitted and, and I had told the bishop that I was moving forward with that. And then she just showed up one day at my door and she didn't tell me that she was coming ahead of time or anything like that. She just came and then she said to me, Noel, uh, the bishop has let me know that you're getting a divorce. And I know that this must be the most difficult thing that you've ever had to go through. And I'm so sorry. And I'm here and I will do everything I can to make it easier for you. And you never have to tell me the reasons why the bishop didn't tell me. 
and you never have to share with me any of the reasons why. And it was like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders because it gave me permission. I never shared with anyone in that ward any of the reasons why we had gotten divorced. I felt like those reasons were personal between him and I, and I still don't typically share any of the details. Um, and partly because I can share my story, but I don't have permission to share his story. And so I, and he also is the father of my children and, um, and my children are still in my home. And so I feel a great responsibility to not speak ill of their father. So that's a big part of it. But, um, so I never had to say anything to anybody in that ward about getting divorced or the reasons why. And I also had no one ask me those questions. So that Relief Society president, I don't know how she did it, but she quietly and um, respectfully let the sisters know that I was getting divorced. And so there was never any awkward conversations about how, how, um, how did this happen or why or any of those details. No one ever asked me that. And when I did finally move from that ward, uh, I actually had a couple of people who didn't even realize I had been through a divorce. That was the kind of funny thing. They, they commented later, they said, I didn't even realize that you went through that while you were in our ward. And I said, yeah, that was, but that was how discreetly it was handled. And I really appreciated that. Um, and there was one woman in the ward um, who became, she was a very good friend of mine. And she was, so helpful to me um, because there were all sorts of things that I had to learn how to do when you get married young you partner with someone and you you figure out these things together right and suddenly when you're divorced you're having to do everything by yourself so she was someone that helped me figure out how to you know get the insurance I needed to and um, you know to get the uh, housing and all sorts of different details that go into when you split a household because I as I mentioned before I really was not planning on getting divorced um, and was kind of going through a little bit of a shock of the reality that this was now my life and so she was a great help for me too and um, kind of carved out that space so as far as that within the ward then so that was some of the leadership did things like that but then within the ward there were people that made sure that on Sundays that my kids weren't sitting with me, that I always had a place um, to sit with them in their pew because you sit by yourself otherwise. And that is probably one of the hardest things is to go because you go from sitting as a family and you're in a family ward and then suddenly your family is split apart. And then if you're sharing custody, there are Sundays that suddenly you are completely and totally by yourself. And that is incredibly uncomfortable. And so I had really good ministering sisters assigned to me and really good ministering brethren who were assigned to me. And so those ministering sisters made sure that I always had a place to sit with them in their pews. And those ministering brethren, they helped me to move. Um, they, they hooked up electrical things for me. You know, they just, anything and everything that, that they could to help, they were, they were there. So that was some of the way that I was really supported and carried in that ward. Well, it sounds like you had a good support system. Yeah. Well, the other question is, um, again, I'm looking at a, um, from the review of the book, 
um, learn that forgiveness is a process and not an absolution of actions. And I read that several times and I'm going, what does that mean? <laughs> well, and I will touch really quickly because we you asked two questions, but one of them we didn't answer and that was about boundaries. Yes. So, and boundaries are really, really important. That is where we have room, when we create healthy boundaries, then we have room to flourish and to heal and to move forward um, with peace. And so there were many boundaries that I learned to make. <clears throat> I learned to make them with friends, former family members, you know, um, family, all within that. Um, because sometimes, you know, in a divorce, and everybody is different. Some people are able to maintain relationships with their former in-laws and extended family members, and that is definitely the ideal. But other times that's just not a possibility, and so um, that was the situation in my case, and so I had to set some really healthy boundaries that way. And what that did is I had to accept that I was gonna be misunderstood about things, but um, it allowed me to have space to start the process of healing, and then it also allowed them to have space to, you know, create their own, um, because they also were de dealing with a dynamic that, you know, their brother and son um, was immediately with someone different. And so that also was, you know, a dynamic that they were having to adjust and get used to as a family, whereas I'd been in that family for almost two decades. So um, it allowed them to support their brother and their son and it allowed me space and time to heal. And both of those things I think are equally important. So uh, I really uh, talk in depth about setting boundaries and how um, this promotes health and peace. And also I use examples from the scriptures of uh, healthy boundaries. I think that it's something that we don't talk about enough within the culture of um, our church. And I think as women in general, we struggle with setting healthy boundaries. So I took quite um, a bit of time in my book, a whole entire chapter and a half about it. So um, just explaining my process that I went through in learning how to set those healthier boundaries. So, and then that dovetails right into forgiveness, which is the question that you asked me about. Um, I think you phrased it, let's see, learn that forgiveness both of yourself and others is a process and um, and it's not an absolution so a lot of times uh, forgiveness is we talk about it a lot within the church sometimes you hear phrases like forgive and forget and turn the other cheek and they've kind of gotten worked into our our modern day lexicon and so we think that that's actually scripture neither of those phrases are actually scripture and that's not actually what we are commanded to do as far as forgiveness goes. So that that was another thing that I really had to work through um, is, you know, being able to forgive not just my former spouse, um, but, you know, also extended family members and even other, you know, different parties. And so that was a process to work through that. Um, and then also to be able to forgive myself. Uh, was also a process and um, to recognize that I did the best that I could in those situations uh, but again it wasn't I didn't arrive at that immediately so in my book I take people through my process 
of, you know, how did I get a heart that was willing to forgive? And, and then what did forgiveness actually look like? Because I think that that's sometimes what we miss. We're really good at quoting scriptures and pointing to great examples, sometimes in the scriptures, sometimes, you know, in other stories, but the nitty gritty details of, well, how do you get from point A to point B? Um, sometimes we miss some of that. So that was partly what I included in there. And the phrase, the absolution, forgiveness doesn't mean that someone is absolved of the choices that they made. And I think that that is an important difference that um, we, rec we recognize within the church um, that to forgive someone doesn't mean that you forget things that have happened. Um, <clears throat> in fact, in order to have healthy boundaries, sometimes it's important to remember those things so that you don't put yourself in positions to be hurt again like that. And you're able to protect yourself or family members in a way that you know allows you to continue to heal and to get healthy so i think that sometimes we think that forgiveness means then someone is absolved of whatever consequences or choices that they made that affected you and uh, i think it's important to recognize that we you know are not the final judge on those things um and i quote some really great um doctrine from uh, President Oaks about that and about forgiveness and how to be um, a good judge um, and what things we need to focus on forgiving and what things that we need to focus on um, moving forward with. So there's some real meat in there as far as understanding the process of forgiveness and righteous judgment and also boundaries. Well, what about boundaries with friends? What's an example? Um, I had to set some boundaries with friends in that I had some friends that were really into, um, they wanted to gossip about the situation. They wanted to hear what was the latest in the, um, you know, choices that my former spouse was making because they were watching things online, right? That's, that's the thing we all have that, um, viewpoint that we can see what people are doing online if they decide to post those different things and so they were watching what I was doing and then they were watching what he was doing online and so um you know they would come to me with questions and have you seen this and and I had to be like I I'm actually not online looking at his stuff and I have to have you not share those things with me because I'm working through getting my children to a stable and healthy point and addressing the things that they're working through and I'm also doing the same for myself so those were some healthy boundaries that I had to set with friends um, and just and not to rehash things over and over again because there's um, there's not anything good that can come out of that so okay I think that's um, great advice I never thought of somebody doing that actually <laughs> going to different uh, parties of the divorce and seeing what people are saying. But no, it's, um, I think that's an excellent boundary to set up. Well, how did the scriptures figure in all of this while you're going through this? So the scriptures are throughout my book. Um, I was studying the Book of Mormon at the time, and we were reading um, Doctrine and Covenants um, as 
part of Come Follow Me and um, as I was working on writing. And so there's a lot um, in my book. Uh, I did a, a lot of research uh, because I couldn't find some of the answers and um, especially about forgiveness. I really, really wanted to understand that. Uh, that was, it was a frustrating um, puzzle for me. And so the answers were found in the scriptures and the same thing with boundaries too. I needed examples um, of healthy boundaries and what did that actually look like? And so I found wonderful examples in the savior. I found great examples in the book of Mormon. And so uh, all throughout my book, uh, everything is um, either footnoted uh, by a scripture or by um, a quote from the brethren you know, whether that be someone from the Quorum of the Twelve or the General Relief Society Presidency or, um, you know, the Prophet and the First Presidency. When you were actually going through the divorce, did you approach the scriptures daily? Is this something that you did daily at a study? Or what exactly did you do? And for example, you know, some people they don't study daily they kind of hit the scriptures every sunday <laughs> and so what what were you doing i mean that's a lot to go through the divorce and you've got three children you're concerned with and where do you find time to get scripture study into that well uh for me there were a couple of things that i did i was fortunate enough to be self-employed at the time and so i was able to create my own schedule so I often would get up early and I was studying the scriptures um, daily. I was uh, in the scriptures. I had opportunities to serve alongside. We had sister missionaries that were assigned to our ward. So I spent a lot of time um, serving alongside the sister missionaries. And that was a really uh, beautiful experience for me. And it helped me to uh, focus on something positive in the middle of, of a really heartbreaking situation. So uh, I was reading my Book of Mormon daily, but then the other piece of it, uh, I actually was going to the temple weekly. And uh, sometimes I even was able to fit in two or three times going to the temple because I only leave, lived 20 minutes away from the temple. And so I would get up really early um, while my kids were still sleeping and I had a 15 year old at the time. And so he would just, you know, they were all sleeping. So I would go and I would do initiatories really quickly or sometimes depending on how early um, a session would start, I would do an endowment and then I would get back in time and get them ready for school and get them out to the door for school. I'd work for several hours and then, you know, um, be there when they got home from school. So uh, I really made uh, growing my testimony and that um, that became a really sacred time for me um, because I, I wasn't focused on anyone else except for my children and my, building my relationship with the Savior. So uh, I, I was in the scriptures daily. Well, you can't beat going to the temple and studying the scriptures daily to stay focused on what life's really about. Well, I thank you for your time, but oh, that just crossed my mind. You said you were self-employed. What did you do? So I had a studio and I shared the space with several other women and so we would have appointments and meetings there, but oftentimes I was going to other people. Um, uh, and then I also was fortunate enough to have some that had some different needs. I did music videos for them and so I would style all the music videos 
pick out the clothing, jewelry, makeup, hair. I did all of that. And then I even got to work on the red carpet for a short time. Wow. Well, very interesting. Well, I, that certainly helped with, um, with the raising of children to be able to do that. Well, um, our time's up. And uh, as always, I like to have my guests bear their testimony. Would you mind doing that? My divorce taught me, uh, I, it's an experience that I never would have chosen to go through, but it taught me the true nature of my Savior Jesus Christ and my Heavenly Parents. And I have such a testimony now of their love for me and their constant care and direction in my life. And I've had further experiences now um, later in life that have been even harder uh, to go through than my divorce. And I continue to have that um, quiet assurance in really beautiful and meaningful ways that um, all things can be made right through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And there are things, there are wounds that I believe that cannot be healed in this life, but I know that in the life to come and through the Savior that all things can be healed and all things can be made right. And I'm so grateful for those things. I have a testimony of the Book of Mormon and how uh, the Book of Mormon helps us to draw closer to the Savior Jesus Christ and to understand his role in our lives and the truthfulness um, that particular book of scripture has become uh, a, a liahona of sorts for me in my life as well as the temple and uh, i'm grateful to a loving heavenly father who has provided a way for us in this life to uh, be able to have a way to navigate uh, through the difficulties of this life and so um, i have a testimony of the Book of Mormon and of my Savior Jesus Christ and I also have a testimony of President Nelson as our modern-day prophet. I've been studying his words more recently and um, am so struck by how prophetic uh, many of the um, invitations that he's given us have been in my own life and I think for so many others and I, I am very grateful for a modern-day prophet and um, leave these things with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.